It's 2020, and Annie and I are back in the studio with an episode about the trends of the decade. We talk about social media, technology, and how everything has changed in the last decade. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the show. of checking in. It is a brand new year. 2020 is upon us. A new decade has started. Mm-hmm. So we felt that this would be a good time to sort of look at the past decade in retrospect and see what the biggest trends were, according to Annie and myself. According to us. According to us. Just us. Um, but I think that we will probably have some good discussion about that. And if anybody has any thoughts or suggestions, or things that they liked about this decade, you can just email us, checking in podcast at grosspointlibrary.org, and maybe we'll read some of yours on the air next time. Yeah. So what was one of the things that you picked for the trends? Because I know we talked about just trying to pick one or two a piece so we don't get too, yeah. too off the rails. Um, well, I have my own personal book trends, and then I thought one of the bigger countrywide or probably worldwide um, trends was just the technology kind of busting out. I don't think in 2010 I had a smartphone. Uh, I don't think I did. Like, it was just starting to come out. I think they were just yeah. starting to come out. I remember when I was in college, I didn't really have a, a smartphone. I had a cell phone and stuff. You know, texting and all that stuff was pretty much as most, most of you could do. I had a cell phone that, um... Definitely. I found a statistic that 9 in 10 millennials, so 93%, own smartphones. 90% of Gen Xers, 68% of baby boomers, and 40% of the silent generation. So, mm-hmm. that's a lot of people. I think, I mean, it's tough now to buy a phone that's not a smartphone. Mm-hmm. Like, they do exist, but they're I've, not very many. Yeah, I have a few friends that buy them, and then they just don't get a data plan, or they... Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you don't sort need of a, do a workaround. Yeah, you don't need a data plan. I think I remember we got one from my grandma, just like a basic cell phone mm-hmm. that just did like phone calls and stuff. Yeah. But for the most part, like the way that we buy phones in the U.S. through carriers, the carriers almost don't have any of those on hand. Yes. And yeah. if they do, they have one. It's like you can right. have this one this non-smartphone, yeah. Yeah. or you can have a, any of these 30 different kinds of smartphones that we have. Yeah. I don't think I would... I don't... Re- a smartphone except I really do like having GPS I would never go back no 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 having a smartphone is probably the best thing that's probably ever happened to humanity wow not probably over <laughs> whatever but just the like best. just pretty much having more than the printing press it's just a different version of the printing press yeah because the printing press sort of democratized reading and books and everything this sort of democratized information and freedom so to speak whatever, because you can just sort of do anything you want on a phone. I think even now, like, I think we're going to see fewer computers being bought here and there, because you can do, I can do everything on my phone, on the couch, wherever I am, I can pretty much do it on my phone. You know, obviously there's areas of the country where the data doesn't penetrate. UP. For the most part, wherever I go, I could just do anything I want. I pay all my bills on my phone. I do pretty much everything on my phone. So, all right, that's a good time to discuss. What do you think the... So you, you're mostly pro. 
pro smartphones and all this. Well, I am pro that because the way that I use it and stuff. I think. So, what do you think are the cons? What do you think are the pros and cons? Well, I think the pros are being able to do whatever you want from the palm of your hand. You know, just the fact that we're able to do that, I think it drives technology. Mm-hmm. You know, more it makes people a little bit more innovative or companies more innovative to do something bigger, better, smarter, faster. I think that's always a good thing. Um, you know, cons, obviously, if you come, become reliant on it, then it becomes a problem when you don't have it. Mm-hmm. And then also, I wouldn't say it's so much the technology's fault, like the smartphone, but I think just the oversaturation of the Internet and, like, the lack of information literacy has is, is probably caused more problems than the actual technology yeah. itself. That was one of my cons. Well, I'm kind of a... I'm not a Luddite, but I don't like it. I don't like to have too much... I want a good balance of technology and mm-hmm. old school. Um, so, certainly, information, knowing what's factual and not, was a, a bit of a con. But then I've also been hearing and reading a little bit about um, this generation that's younger than us being lonelier and how they're thinking that maybe mm-hmm. these social media sites and being on your phone all the time um, is causing more anxiety and a little more loneliness. It might be. I mean, it's, that is probably... I feel like every generation has probably felt like that. It just probably maybe is always a scapegoat for something like that. Sure. So, like... Probably when we were growing up, it was like TV or video games. Yeah, TV's rotting our brains, yeah. And now it's like the phones are rotting the brains or whatever. Yeah. But I think it's, it's always, there's always some boogeyman that are trying to explain just the pains of growing up. Sure. I think, you know, growing up now, I think it's tough. You know, I see the kids all the time. I think it's just tough growing up now. Like the stuff that they have to do or feel like they have to do is so much more than I had to do yeah. when I was their age. I was just saying that the other day um, to our coworkers about my son. He said something to my husband about germs. He said, you don't have any evidence that um, my cold is the same as Isaac's cold, his little brother, that they're the same virus. Mm-hmm. And just hearing that sentence come out of his mouth, I thought, I was a caveman compared to him at six years old. Mm-hmm. I don't think I knew the word evidence or... Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, that's the thing. It's a different world. I mean, There's we more just information know so mu- We just yeah. know so much more. And just easy... I think, you know, technology's made it easier to explain these concepts to younger minds. Mm-hmm. I think, you know... And you can look something up when your kid mm-hmm. asks you, like, why... What's lightning? Yeah, you can you look it up. Yeah. You can ask Siri or Google. You can pretty much do a lot. I mean, that's the other thing that technology's been sort of good for is sort of, like educational purposes has been really good yeah there's so many ways to like learn stuff for free there's like code academy if you want to learn how to code there's Khan academy if you want to learn how to do almost anything and just the way that schools are now like kids have ipads or chromebooks or something like everything is basically centered around this technology maybe that's why they feel so stressed about it because like they're never truly away from school because they always have some sort of connection to it because we know when we were going to school it's like I left school and never thought about it yeah. until whatever right you just kind of like, leave it be and the only way that the schools would get in contact with you is if like they called your parents yeah like there was no emailing them or sending an alert out to your to your google doc or whatever whatever they do now like it just seems like there's always they just seem like they're always on 
Yeah. It's I like no break. That. And also, <clears throat> aside from like academic pressure, you know what's going on in the world, which is a good thing. You can help more, but it's also a lot of stress and pressure to see mm-hmm. every bad thing that's happening around the world with a five second delay or whatever, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, we were at least, you know, I, I was in high school when nine eleven happened and like they, I wouldn't have known, obviously would have found out eventually, but you know, we were in school, there's no smartphones, right. we didn't watch TV, like we had TVs in the room, but like we never use them unless we were watching yeah. video. And like, you know, one of the teachers told us what happened, like some other teacher came in, told the teacher what happened and you know, they just told us, we're like, oh, that's crazy. And then, like, they had it on, you know, throughout the day, and then they sent it home early. Like, now, if something like that would happen now, it's like you would find out, like, instantly. Instantly, yeah. And it's just sort of interesting how quickly things change. I I guess that obviously wasn't this decade, but just in general, like, how how fast things change, like, how information gets dispersed. Yeah. Well, what else? What other factoids did I look up? I found a lot of facts about social media. Yeah, I think that's definitely one of the bigger trends of the last decade. I know that Facebook, you know, happened before before the decade, but I remember this might have been the decade that they opened it up, though, because before this decade, you actually needed a valid college email address to register for Facebook. Mm -hmm. It needed to be over 18, I believe, and then they changed the requirements. You didn't need to go to school, and then they changed it to, like, you can be, like, 14 now or something. Mm -hmm. And that happened all within the past decade. The research I looked at said that the number of millennials or younger mm-hmm. that have, have Facebook has sort of been a little steady over the decade, like a slight incline. Yeah. But the number of the older generations has really mm-hmm. bumped up, so that would match up with what you were thinking. But I read that 43% of people get their news from Facebook. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I think... You know, that's sort of another thing that's happened is, like, these companies that claim they're technology companies are, you know, coming to terms with the fact that they have just so much power and so much influence that, like, people want to treat them as a different, like, media companies instead of tech companies. And, like, they fight tooth and nail to stay as a tech company because they have so much more protection from that type of influence. Like, if... You know, oh, like the spread yeah. of information. Yeah. If they're a media company, they would be much more scrutinized for the information that they share. People find on Facebook or Twitter and all that stuff. But, you know, as long as they're considered technology companies, they can sort of get away with it. Yeah. Um, but that's mm-hmm. sort of... I think I remember reading a book. I think it was like Like War or something about how it's... A lot of the powers that be seem to think that these technology companies are... They just have too much power now. Yeah. That the way that they I can think influence the world and just elections and whatnot, it's just so, something that no one's ever seen before. Yeah. Like these few companies in like, you know, specifically Facebook's like one of the bigger ones that people talk about, like one company exerting so much power over everything. Mm-hmm. And I think people are starting to see that. Another statistic was that 74% of adults who use Facebook have done something in the last year to take a step back. Either they've adjusted their privacy settings or they've um, just taken a break um, from looking at it or they've deleted it altogether. Mm-hmm. I think as like 
I don't have a statistic in front of me, but I feel like younger millennials and Gen Z, they probably don't use Facebook at all. Like, I think they're using different things from Facebook. I think they're using more Instagram and Snapchat. Yeah, I think but the I most think people, the people overall using, use Facebook, but there's... Yeah, I think overall and Facebook YouTube, still has a YouTube, that counts as social media, I guess. It probably does I was because, reading you could, did. because you can follow people. It's just like a different kind of social media because you just follow the channels and the people you like and you can comment and, you know, people get news from you too. I think I did, I think I actually did remember reading something that uh, millennials and Gen Z get the majority of their news through YouTube, whether like it was clips. Like, like clips or like someone they follow is telling them the news and they go out and learn about it on their own. Like that's sort of like the genesis of their search is YouTube, hmm. which Well, I'm going to go after this podcast to YouTube for news about Harry and Meghan mm-hmm. stepping back from the royal family, which a radio DJ commented on on my way to work, and he did not elaborate. So mm-hmm. that's why I'm going to YouTube. See, that's something we wouldn't have known about really back in the day. Yeah. We just found out that there was some trouble in the royal family. Right. Um, but, yeah. But the other, one of the things that I sort of like to do, I like to play video games, and I think video games sort of had a renaissance this decade, sort of like becoming more mainstream than it ever has before. Um, just uh, some statistic that I found is that the video game industry is on track for $152 billion of revenue this year, and um, that's like pretty significant. Like... The movie box office for this year is only $41.7 billion. Wow. So the video game industry is three times as big as the movie industry. And that's always seemed, seemed to be the industry that's making the most money, especially like Disney. And entertainment, And all yeah. that stuff. It's like, there's sort of like a drop in the bucket compared to how much video games are making and stuff. And then I think it was earlier in the decade, you know, event, like the, the biggest entertainment three-day period was a video game. It made a billion dollars in three days. And most movies take at least, you know, a while to make a billion dollars. But even Avengers Endgame, it took them, like, a week to make a billion dollars. Oh, what video game was it? Do you know Grand that? Theft Auto Five. Oh. And they still make they still make a lot of money. I think the revenue is, like, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars a month for people that are playing their online game and everything. So, I mean, these revenue streams for these video game companies are just so massive. And I think they're becoming more mainstream, especially when you see the top earners on YouTube. Like, there's like there's, there's this guy, PewDiePie. He's usually always up there. He made, like, $16 million last year. And a lot of the people that are on that list, you know, play or stream video games. And they're, like, making tens of millions of dollars every year. Wow. Just playing video games and stuff. Playing, not making them. No, they don't make them. They just play them and talk about it. And people watch. And, you know, they get money. People watch? Well, that's the, that's the other thing that's, like, interesting is, like, there's, now with YouTube and stuff, there's people that maybe they used to play video games back in the day that are just not interested, or there's people that just would rather watch, like, the cutscenes or someone else play a game so they can sort of get the experience without ever actually playing it. So, like, there's, like, these Let's Play videos where you just watch someone play a video game from start to finish, and then it's, like, cool, I know all about that now. Oh. But they don't actually play it, because video games are a weird sort of entertainment where like it's not passive like you actually have to participate in it you can't just turn it on and be like i'm gonna do this it's like oh you actually have to push some buttons do, do this this so 
if you're not good at something, like, you actually might not actually get to the end. Whereas a oh, movie, you just hit maybe play. Maybe want to see the end, yeah. You do that, but so these videos could be, like, people that are stuck at a game or just not interested. They you know, could do that. You know what the last video game I watched someone else play was? Mario? Leroy Jenkins. Do you remember that? Oh, uh, yeah, that was, um, <laughs> that was a viral video back in the day. <laughs> What game was it? It was Second that was Life. World of, that was, was World of Warcraft. Oh, World of Warcraft, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That was, um, that was apparently that was staged, though, which, you know, I think oh, it came out later. It was, like, staged, bummer. which is disappointing, but still, that, that it was... It was very authentic it was good. If, I mean, it was, if it was staged. And that was great. I mean, that was that's the other thing is, like, technology can make all these, like, the rise of meme culture and just viral videos mm-hmm. and everything and sort of be, like, the whole thing that... We All used to just have America's do. Funniest Home Videos, and now... Now it's like everything. Vine used to be a thing yeah. before they went away, but that was, that was like, what, 10-second shorts? My niece explained TikTok to me over the holiday break. Is it like, did that just replace Vine, pretty much? Are those, like, short clips yeah. and stuff? I think mm-hmm. it's... Um, she said, if I remember correctly, that um, it's, like, basically overdubbing... Okay. Someone else's sound. You make a video to someone okay. else's sound. Interesting. I think. That's interesting. I still don't totally grasp it. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. I mean, and that's the thing is like, technology has changed entertainment as we know it as well. So that was another thing that I was gonna talk about, like just how, you know, subscription-based models are basically like the norm now. Like I've never bought a CD. In like, I don't even know the last time I bought a CD. You don't think was. you bought a CD in the last decade? Oh, I one hundred percent didn't. Yeah, I I have like a s- subscription to a service that I listen to all my music from. I have Netflix, I have Amazon. I do mostly all that stuff via streaming. And if I can't stream it, then I'll just buy it. We have for music, we have a record player, and we buy records. Mm-hmm. But a lot of uh, my husband's a musician, and a lot of albums he buy come with a download. Yeah, digital download. Yeah. Yeah. So it's still nice to have a hard copy of something in your... Yeah. Physical stuff is always nice to have because if there's some licensing agreement that expires or something, all that stuff that you were used to listening just goes away. Mm -hmm. But if you have the physical thing, it won't. But I feel like the music industry is just so far collapsed because of what happened with Napster and all that stuff that... I would probably venture that nothing would ever leave a music service. I would only things are just going to get added. I don't yeah. think anything's going to get taken off now. It's like everyone's on board with music subscription. There's certain people you can't listen to. Like I've noticed, Beyonce keeps it pretty tight. Yeah, on some streaming. Do. Garth I mean, Brooks Prince used to. Yeah, but when Immunity died, I think his estate published it. Taylor Swift was a holdout for a little bit. Um, there's always like the big artists that don't. That can still have, that still have power that can still do that. But for most of the people, it just, you know, it's just a no-brainer to have it on that service because people just aren't buying music the way they used to. Yeah. Do you have a favorite album of the decade? I know we didn't discuss uh, this. I don't even know. I'm trying to think of what even came out. I couldn't even tell you right now. Just, I listen to so much music that I can't even... And since it wasn't something that we thought of... Yeah. We are going to talk about it and write anything down. Ten years is a long time. Yeah, ten years is a long time because I think there's just... There's always exciting new music happening and just new artists coming up out of the woodwork that just, you're like, oh, this is cool. I would say the one that I was most, um, and I haven't thought about this Mm -hmm. either, but I really liked the Future Islands album that came out. Mm -hmm. It's maybe not even the most recent one. It came out in like 
2013 or 2014? What was it called? Um, mm-hmm. Now it's gone. But yeah. um, that few. album meant a lot. There's a few. I mean, Kendrick Lamar had a really good decade. So almost everything he did was pretty good. I'm trying to think of anything else that came out that seemed interesting to me that I could think of. Um, Run the Jewels had some good stuff. St. Vincent was really good this decade as well. You know, Kanye West, if you like Kanye West, he always does interesting stuff. But yeah. there's just like so much music that gets outputted that it's just hard to actually like rank what was the best. Yeah, I'll just say that those artists... Put out some good records of the decade. Do you have a best video game? Um, probably. I don't know. Let's see. What is the best video game I played? I couldn't. Now I couldn't tell you. Now, <laughs> now that you asked me that, like every all the video games I've played, they in just the past fall decade, out of your head. Fell out of my head, or like everything is rushing together as one, just getting clogged in there. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've played a lot of really good games. Had some good experiences with. Some games, sometimes like the best game isn't so much the game that I enjoyed the most. It was like the game that I had the most fun with my friends. Yeah. Because there was a game that we played, it was called Destiny, and we all played that together. And the game was, you know, nothing to write home about, but just like having, being able to play with all my friends and doing all that stuff was just really fun. So I'd say that one definitely is one of the more top gaming moments I've had of the decade and stuff. And, you know, books, you know, I don't really... I only started recently keeping track of the books I've read, so I couldn't even tell you what my favorite book of the decade was. I just know that there was a pretty big trend in YA to just have dystopian novels yeah. because Hunger Games was so profitable in terms of, like at least at the movies. All the movie studios tried to find books that were similar and try to make them into movies, yeah. and I'm sure that there were a lot of authors that were trying to get rich by making books similar to that. So, like, there was a whole just... Oh... Stuff. And also, like, I think uh, fiction and film and music also, like, mirrors the culture. Yeah, a lot of things do, because, like, they're only interested in making money, for the most part, like, all those industries. So, you know, strike while the iron's hot. And then eventually they do get burned, because people just sort of, all that stuff falls out of favor. Out. But they've already made it, and then they lose money on it, and they're like, oh, this genre's dead. Yeah. Dystopian fiction was. De- I wrote that down as a mm-hmm. genre that I read a lot of in mm-hmm. this decade, but not YA. I read um, Station Eleven. I read that too. That was really good, and that book kind of stuck with me. I like that. I um, like that book a lot, only because it just took a different approach that you don't typically see for a dystopian book. Because it takes place after. It takes place after, but like it wasn't so much like doom and gloom. It right. wasn't even like very hopeful. It was more just like uh, this happened. Like how do we rebuild? Like what? How do we it's keep like, society together? Like, yeah, what's the what value would the of, world look like? What's the value of art in a post-apocalyptic world? Yeah, that was a very good book, Station mm-hmm. Eleven by Emily St. John. And speaking John of her, Mendel. she actually is coming out the new book oh, this year. It's called The Glass Hotel. Oh. So I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, me too. Because I just like that Station Eleven book a lot. Yeah, I did so too. So she's, she's earned the benefit of the doubt for whatever she writes yeah. next. I also liked um, Gold Fame Citrus by Claire Vay Watkins. Um, that came out a couple years ago, and it was about, um, it took place in the near future when everybody's abandoned California except for, like, thieves and mm-hmm. um, people that can't afford to get out. Uh, and It's interesting because yeah. it's sort of the opposite problem. Most people can't afford to get into California. Right, yeah. But when the there's a drought, and mm-hmm. so she sort of tries to escape, and she 
um, ends up kidnapping this child um, that she um, feels is being neglected and goes through the desert. That's a very good book. Mm-hmm. All her books are good. And then I also read The Circle by Dave Eckers, which I didn't really feel like was the best written book, mm-hmm. um, you know, like language-wise or even plot-wise. But so many things since I've read that book have come up. And yeah. life is just a ton about privacy concerns and social media and um, mm-hmm. all that yeah. stuff we've been talking about the last couple of years. Yeah, there was a book, I, I don't know if it came out this decade, but it was a book I read last year, like Super Sad True Love Story. Yeah. That was very ominous about the predictions of like social media and just how likes and just popularity to sort of are going to become, you know, pervade right. the culture. And I think that book was written when none of this stuff was like happening or was very early stages and now it's like the thing. Yeah. Like influencers. I don't know, just so many things that you wouldn't think were a thing are a thing now. Yeah, it seems ridiculous ridiculous mm-hmm. in the yeah. And I remember in the um in the circle she wears this watch. It was before Apple Watches came out, but she wears this watch that um has her vitals on it and mm-hmm. it, she goes on a date and the man can tell she's nervous because he's like looking at her watch and seeing her heart mm-hmm. rate go up and I thought that's so silly but mm-hmm. here we go it happens Pretty did much. you read any other genres like a, um, as a theme this decade not really I think you know I read you know fantasy books I started you know I read Game of Thrones for the first time because I guess that was like a big thing was Game of mm-hmm. Thrones this decade oh yeah sort of I guess you could say fantasy becoming mainstream is a yeah. big thing. Because, like, I, it didn't seem the, that Lord of the Rings really did anything. Like, it was, like, there, then, like, there's not a whole lot of good fantasy or it didn't seem like it captured enough people's attention. Then Game of Thrones came out, and it became, like, this huge thing. Turned, it I garnered think, a new audience. Mm-hmm. And I think there's probably a lot of new fantasy that sort of tries to mimic that, you know, that world. And studios are trying to figure out a way to make more money off of fantasy. Netflix just came out with The Witcher um, last month. But even... That was based on a book series, though, that predates Game of Thrones, but they're trying to get on that bandwagon as well. Yeah. They want their own high fantasy show, so I think that's sort of, like, the new thing. And HBO is still planning on doing a whole bunch of Game of Thrones spinoffs as well. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I think that show just sort of captured a moment in time that I don't know if we'll see a show like that ever again. Yeah. Like, obviously, there might be, but I just don't think that there will be, especially with the rise of all these new streaming sites and the way that things are released. I think it's going to be tough to find something that's going to be like that, that's going to hit something that everyone likes and wants to talk about. That's just me. But I think it's going to be... I think it'll be tough. To have something that gets popular like that, because I think the first two seasons of that show, you know, didn't you know hit off for a while. Then like it just sort of word of mouth got that show, and then just people got really into it. Then that was pretty much all you could see was Game of Thrones everywhere. People were super excited for April. That's when the new season premiered. So it was just like this huge thing, and it was like the most pirated show ever. So I mean, people were watching that show whether they were paying for it or not. So I don't know if it's... I don't think we'll have a show like that for a while. Yeah. Or ever again. Hopefully. I'm, I'm hopeful. 
Um, I read, the other genres I read were biographies. I really got into biographies this decade. Mm-hmm. And um, Midwestern fiction, which is kind of hard. You kind of got to dig for it. Mm-hmm. Um, is that a new genre, or is that like, is that a genre that's no, always just, existed, that they it's sort always of like e- well, I don't rebranded? Know if, I don't know if it's a genre that's always existed. Like, I read, I've read some more Toni Morrison. Mm-hmm. A lot of her books take place in the Midwest. I read um, Shoeless Joe, which is the book Field of Dreams is based off of. Mm-hmm. Um, Tom Drury is a great Midwestern fiction author um I don't think it is a I found a couple articles on it Mm -hmm. that I was able to like grab some authors I didn't know about already off of but I don't know that it is an established genre Mm -hmm. um there's certainly not as many books that take place in the midwest as there are on the coast coast. Mm -hmm. but it's an interesting genre Mm -hmm. um yeah and I had a lot of, I got a lot of enjoyment and found a lot of good books that way. Mm-hmm. And I guess the other thing that sort of happened this past decade is the rise of podcasting. Oh, yeah. I wanted to... Because that wasn't a thing that people did until, a dec- like, probably 2010 was probably, like, the first I'd ever heard of a podcast. I think I listened to early podcasts, but I'd, I don't think anyone anticipated how big these would get. Yeah. So now it's like a huge multi-billion dollar industry. And that's something that like people people I know that um, you wouldn't think would be into podcasts because mm-hmm. they, they're not book... For me, a, to me, a, book, a podcast seems sort of bookish mm-hmm. because it can oft, be. often it's research-based or you're listening to in-depth interviews. Mm-hmm. You know, they're long. Yeah. Um, and... But there's, like, literally a podcast for everyone. There's a podcast for everyone. I was just listening to a movie podcast on the way in. There's, like, a video game podcast I listen to. There's yeah. a music podcast. There's pretty much there's a podcast. for kids, yeah. It's a podcast for anything. So whatever you have an interest in, you could find a podcast yeah. for it, and you'd probably enjoy it. And I really, um, my husband and I have started listening to some of the same podcasts, and I really enjoy sharing that with him. Mm-hmm. That's really fun, and it, it's something we can do um, together when we're doing like mundane tasks, like we're painting the hallway or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's also something that you know we'll listen. We listen to this armchair expert um, podcast. Oftentimes, we'll listen to the same episode but separately, and then come together to talk about it. Mm-hmm. I really like that. What are some of your favorite podcasts? Let's see. I, there's one called the Slash Filmcast. That's a movie podcast. Um, Strong Songs is a music podcast. Uh, Split Screen is a video game podcast. Uh, I listen to Citations Needed. It's sort of like a podcast about the intersectionality of media and culture and politics. Oh. I like that one. Um, every so often I'll listen to like Freakonomics or Fresh Air if there's a good person that's on the mm-hmm. interview e side. Same with like Mark Marin. Usually I'm more interested in the guest than the host, but sometimes the host could be grating, so if it's a bad host, like I don't care who's on the show. If the host I don't like, I'm not gonna listen to it. Yeah. Um but yeah, so those are the ones that can I can think of off the top of my head. I think there was another one 
Ologies was another one that I found this year that was actually pretty cool. Um, that one is a person who just finds people that are experts in weird fields and just talks to them about their field. So she has like weird, I think there was one about bats and just, just weird stuff that you wouldn't yeah. think that you could be an expert in. And she brings them on the show and talks to them. I think that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's, that there's a podcast for everything. I think, you know, especially in the way that we're talking about technology, it's like never been easier to do any of this yourself. I think that's why you see a lot of people try to become podcasters and YouTubers because it's just super cheap to get into for and the most fun, part. And fun, yeah. Like, obviously, like, the people that are doing it professionally have way better equipment and staff, but for the Producers, most part, yeah. if you just want to do a podcast, you can just buy a microphone and tab at it. If you want to start a YouTube channel, get a camera and a microphone and go for it. You know, the barrier for entry isn't very big for the kind of people that want to get into it. Mm-hmm. Like, back in the day, if you wanted to do all this stuff, you probably needed, like, it's super expensive equipment, locks people out, so I think we're sort of seeing a rise of, like, this weird, interesting creative class that wouldn't have happened without, like, the ubiquity of technology and just how cheap it is. And we get to see stuff that's not so mainstream being created, mm-hmm. um, which I really like. That's what I like about memes is that, like, the most ridiculous meme can make so many people laugh and you wouldn't think that people could come together about something that mm-hmm. uh, off-base yeah, I mean, it's just interesting because that's the thing. Was when people come become their own, you know, content creators, they don't need like the big studios to do anything. They can just sort of live or die by themselves. And if, especially that's the other thing. Not so much subscription, but like there's so many like user paid content. Like there's Patreon, there's Kickstarter, there's like all these websites that'll keep people kind of producing content that are paid for directly by their fans. So yeah. it just basically eliminates this whole thing. If you like this podcast or this show on YouTube, you can just donate directly to them, and they can just keep making good content. You can sort of feel good about yourself that you're, like, supporting this thing that skip you regularly ads, consume. Yeah. Just skip the ads, get better content, you know, more exclusive content and stuff. So it's sort of like an interesting thing that happens now. Like, you can just do anything you want if you just have the patience and know-how. Mm-hmm. You can just do whatever. Which is pretty cool. Yeah. Is there anything else that you wanted to, to bring up in terms of the decade, trends of the decade? No. Nothing? We just grew up. I mean, we both became parents this decade. Well, yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, that's another thing I talk about. Like, this decade was pretty transformative for me because I just graduated college, grad school, got married, had kids, got a job, did all that stuff this past 10 years. Yeah, that's a big decade. There's probably, there's like a lot of, coworkers and just patrons and stuff that you know been there done that or whatever and it's like oh I just like I just got out like I just feel like I'm I'm an adult now mm-hmm. like I graduated from whatever I was before to like an ad- adult now now I'm just tired all the time um, <laughs> but yeah so it's just sort of an interesting decade for me um, in terms of growth and just along growing up as well as all this stuff is going on right now just thinking back it's sort of weird to think that in 2010 I had a phone a flip phone and now I have a computer in my pocket yeah um so yeah I think technology's always been a driving force for mostly everything and I don't have any sort of handle on what it was like back in other decades or times but you know it just seems like 
technology this past decade has just been crazy. Like the amount, like the ten year gap between where we are now and where we were seems bigger than any other period in history. I think that's sort of how that Moore's law works. Yeah. Um, that technology gets increased exponentially better as time goes on. So who knows what this next next decade will bring? Or the half decade, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I mean, a lot of cool technology out there that'll probably be coming cheaper and better. So there's probably gonna be a lot of cool stuff with VR and AR, and I don't even know. There's just stuff that you know probably is in the early planning phases. Are gonna blow everyone away. Like foldable phones, that's a thing now. Foldable. Yeah, like they're foldable smartphones. Like you fold like the actual screen, so it basically turns a phone into like a mini tablet, because they have like. Wow. So I mean, there's just like a lot of interesting things that are happening. So it'll be a fun decade to see what happens in terms of technology and society, culture, everything. I'm excited. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I'm anxious. <laughs> I think there's I'm always, anxious and excited. I think there's always anxiety because especially like the fear of the unknown mm-hmm. is always out there or a fear for the known like what we have it's like is Skynet going to happen like that's sort of like my biggest fear with all these weird like videos of like this company called Boston Dynamics they make these robots then they like kick them and push them to do stuff and like like these robots can like jump and like flip and like pick up boxes and move and I'm just like you know, if they become self-aware, they're going to remember all that stuff. Westworld, yeah. So, be nice to your technology. Yeah, be nice to your robots. And your robots, digital assistants, or otherwise. Um, because life is worth living still. My mother-in-law always says please and thank you to Siri. That's good. <laughs> she'll, good probably, start. she'll probably be one of the only ones left <laughs> when they become self-aware. Yeah. So... So to Annie's mother-in-law. <laughs> so um, I guess we'll close this episode out. Um, there's a we mentioned The Witcher. There's a really catchy song that happened in one of the episodes. So enjoy that song. And if you like fantasy and Henry Cavill, give it a shot. And as I, we'll see you next week. Bashes and breaks you and brings you to more. He thrust every elf far back on the shelf, high up on the mountain from whence it came. Ah, he wiped out your past, got kicked in his chest. He's a friend of humanity. So give him the rest That's my epic tale Our champion brother Defeated the villain Now pour him some